You're listening to episode 28 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there, you're listening to episode 28, Musicpreneur Spotlight, James Devine. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help musicpreneurs build sustainable careers in music by setting clear goals and creating time management systems that enable them to work smarter, not harder. One of the biggest hurdles that often gets in our way is ourselves. Being too much in our own heads, we can lose sight of the bigger picture and get caught up in the minutia of what we're doing. For example, when working towards a goal that no longer serves us, rather than stepping back and observing what's changed and where our new path wants to lead us, we often continue suffering through the path we're currently on simply because we're on it. We can forget that in the larger scope of things, the main goal is to be happy and create a life we love, not suffer through something we have the power to change. Forgetting to give ourselves permission can hold us back from achieving our full potential. Now, sometimes giving ourselves permission to change our narrative or realizing we didn't have all the answers when we once thought we did is all we need to break through what's been holding us back. A few months ago, I had the pleasure of crossing paths with musicpreneur James Devine. He's a professional saxophonist and full-time high school band teacher. I'll let him tell you more of his own story, but if you ever felt stuck in your journey, unsure of where to go next, or if you feel like you're working towards a certain goal and you're not clear as to why, then listen up. I hope this discussion inspires you to live the life on your own terms, whatever those terms may be, and regardless of the life you lived before. So without further ado, I bring you Mr. James Devine. Okay, so welcome. Um, James, I want to thank you so much for being here. You have a lot that you could teach our listeners, and I'm really excited for us to get started. So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey as a musician up until this point. When did you decide you were going to be a professional musician? When When did that become a goal for you? I decided that I wanted to be a professional musician in my junior year of high school. Music was one of the few things that I really found success in, starting all the way back to sixth grade when I first started in band. In 10th grade, I made it into our all-region bands and also made made it in my 11th grade year. And that kind of convinced me that that was something I was I was going to do. I auditioned for the Army Band and made it into that and had a 10-year career in the army band serving in Virginia, Japan, and then to Colorado, where I decided to get out of the army band. And we ended up staying in Colorado. We loved it so much. I tried about two or three years as a self-employed musician, and that was working okay, especially towards the end of it. Things started opening up a little bit more, but that's when I discovered my true calling of teaching music. And so I was able to transition from performing full-time and teaching part-time to teaching full-time and performing on a part-time basis. And the nice thing about being a teacher is it gives you some extra time in the summers and on the weekends to still, still do some performing aspects of it. But I think everyone has to kind of find their niche. Some people will not teach at all. Some people will teach part-time. Some people will perform full-time in front of audiences of 10,000. Some people will perform full-time in front of audiences of 50. So everyone has to kind of find their niche. But that teaching part is what I've been doing for the last 20 years has taken up about 80% of my time. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed reading about your journey because, you know, as a mindset coach, I, I also decided at, uh, in high school that I would be in the music industry professionally, but I certainly didn't think I'd be a mindset coach or even knew what that was. Um, so I always enjoy people's journeys and how, you know, you can't really predict it and you just, you follow this overall goal and you do the best you can. And as choices unfold before you, you, you find things that you didn't necessarily think you'd find. So I always think that's very interesting. Exactly. I think everybody has to find that thing that's going to work for them. Absolutely. And in your book, The Saxophone Diaries, which I absolutely loved and everyone listening, the link to that book is in the show notes. You share a lot of the misconceptions you originally had about what your journey would look like in music compared to how it actually went. One of my favorite parts in the book is when you discuss the fallacy that most musicians think, well, if I just get my music out there, then I can start making money. So you learned pretty quickly that there's more to it than that. And you okay. share a lot of those great tips about how to approach your journey as, uh, from an entrepreneur standpoint and how to pace yourself a bit more. We often discuss on this podcast a lot of those similar tips like monotasking and working through rejection and staying organized with systems and even writing down your goals, which, you know, and writing down your creative thoughts and ideas, which I thought was a great um, tip that you had mentioned. So what's the biggest lesson for you in terms of seeing yourself as a music panori? Like as you went on this journey, what was the biggest lesson that you were like, oh, okay, this is how it goes? <laughs> I think if I looked at my biggest lesson from my current standpoint of being 51 years old, I would say that I wish I would have gotten into writing my goals down sooner. Zig Ziglar has a great circle of life that he has where we're supposed to have these goals in six areas of our of our lives finances our our job personal goals and i encourage every anyone to look that up and kind of see those but but there's something about writing them down and i didn't discover this till about 10 or 15 years ago and i wish i would have known it in my younger days there's something about writing it down that transfers it to a different part of our brain that it's more likely to happen and i actually do this on a weekly basis now i have a weekly calendar that i write out by hand and it's it includes all the things i want to get done each day and i think about what i want to get done what I need to do for a long-term goal. So as you, as you know, if you're going to record a song, you can't just say on June 15th, I'm going to record a song. When am I going to write the song? When am I going to develop it and work on it and really refine it? The recording may happen on June 15th, but there's a whole process going into that. So every week I'm sitting there thinking about how I'm going to refine my, my long-term goals. I think a, another mistake I made for the longest time was not realizing that the goals were adaptable. So sometimes mm -hmm. because I wrote them down in November, I thought that I had to follow through on that the following year. But sometimes mm -hmm. in the middle of the year, you realize maybe I don't like doing that as much. I put it down as a goal, but I don't like doing that or I've came across something in the process or something in life has come up that has taken more urgency than that original goal. And so now I realize that the, the goals are flexible. Mm. Yeah, that's so important. Understanding and giving ourselves permission to be in control, <laughs> to call the shots. And sometimes we, it's pretty easy sometimes, um, surprisingly, to forget <laughs> that we have that uh, control and that we can make those calls. Um, so I 100% I 
uh, relate to that as well. And yes, writing down goals is is so, so important. It, it's, as you said, many studies have shown that it just triggers something different in the brain. And when you put that pen to paper, and which is one of the reasons with the Rockstar Life Planner, you know, people have asked us so many times, well, are you going to create an app for it? Or is there an app to go along with this? And it's like, no, it's <laughs> meant to be written on. <laughs> so I thank you for sharing that with us. And one of my favorite quotes in your book, you say, setting your heart on fame may be fleeting. If you set your heart on money, and that's your main focus, in the long term, you'll be dissatisfied. If you set your heart on adding value to people's lives, you will make an impact on the world. And I really love that. And it's something that I often try to get musicians to see the larger picture and things. So how did you come to that realization? And how has that served you so far in your career? The main way I came to that realization was probably teaching at the small private school that I started my teaching career at. There's so many times that we think we're not having an impact because we don't have a hit song or we're not singing or performing in the big arenas. And those people do have their own different kind of impact. But I don't know if they have life-changing impact. Mm. So I have some students. I was just looking at one of the pictures recently of my first fourth grade band in 1998. And I had about 12 students in that in that group. And these kids, I put kids in quotes, are in their <laughs> 30s now. And there's a couple of them that still keep in touch with me a couple of times a year. And they were nine or 10 years old when when I had them as a teacher and I haven't taught at that school for 13 years. Wow. The, there was also a story from the book, if it's okay for me to share it, when our school was based around a quad, There's there were four or five buildings and there was this big, about half the size of a football field quad, where sometimes the high school students would be throwing frisbees or running around. And the playground was in a separate area. One year, the there was a bear or something hanging out in a tree in the fall <laughs> playground. And so all these students from kindergarten through fifth grade were on the quad. There were probably about 200, 250 students. And I was walking through the quad with my saxophone. One of the kids said, hey, Mr. Devine, play something for us. And I just started playing a little ditty or a jazz lick or something. And it was very creepy at first. 250 kids all stopped running and playing at the same time and mobbed me. They all ran towards me. It was the coolest experience. And I really felt like a rock star. Mm-hmm. That three minutes of, of fame, it didn't earn me any money. It didn't do anything to improve my life except make me feel good that I that I added some some value to those two hundred fifty kids for that for that couple of minutes. And of course, it made me very popular in the school doing doing things like that to be able to like move that to the to the future when I was recruiting for band, students would would remember that. So I think sometimes we think something we do doesn't have a huge impact. But if it impacts one person's life, recently I just wrote a song for my youngest granddaughter. It was her birthday. She turned two. And I just spent about 20 or 30 minutes working on this little song that was specifically for her. And I recorded it and sent it to my daughter-in-law. And my daughter-in-law said that my granddaughter wanted to hear it like seven or eight times that day. She kept wanting to hear this because it had her name in it. You know, that's, I don't even know if I can remember the song. I probably saved the recording somewhere, but that song may never, no one but my granddaughter may, may ever hear it, but it had that impact on her life. 
I love those stories. Thank you for sharing that. It's 100%. I think a lot of musicians, especially when they first start out, they've got this pressure, even if they haven't, I've noticed some don't even really want the fame, but they haven't asked themselves that yet. So they just kind of move forward under the assumption, well, this is what I got to do. I have to try to get as many followers on social media as possible, or I have to sell as many records as, you know, or downloads or streams these days as I can. And they don't often ask themselves, well, number one, is this what I want? And number two, can whatever it is I want, can it show up in different ways for me as it has for you? And I think the fact that you've been able to find that in other paths that maybe you didn't think of, you know, 20 plus years ago, it's there, you know, and you can find, you can find satisfaction and you can find happiness and success in just realizing that (laughs) and, and focusing on the impact rather than the money doesn't mean the money won't come. Doesn't mean you don't value yourself or, you know, obviously you charge for your work. You know, it's not about not, you know, looking at money as bad, but just not making it what drives you. Right. And, and I think that's really important. You know, it's it's funny. It, it kind of lends itself uh, into this other question that I wanted to ask you regarding money. I, I really love how you your outlook in terms of valuing your music and your talents. You mentioned when it comes to building a sustainable career, that learning and knowing your worth in this industry is important. And you have a chapter in the book, Never Play for Free. But there's a little bit more to it than that. You know, I know that when you talk about that, it doesn't mean you know, that the venue owner has to give you a check specifically. So would you elaborate on what you meant by that and how musicians can take more full advantage of when they play live? Sure. And that's something I didn't learn until about eight years ago. I actually went to a speaking workshop and the presenter said, never speak for free, even when you do. And that was confusing at first. It's like, well, what do you mean? You just said never speak for free, even when you do. And he said, always have a purpose in what you're, what you're doing. So if you're going somewhere and you're playing for free and it's because you want to, maybe you really love the organization and this is just your way to contribute. Everybody is giving their product for free or, you know, the accountant is donating their time, the lawyer is donating their time, and this is your just your donation, but you've chosen to do this, then that's one thing. You see a lot of ads for people wanting musicians and they'll say, you know, you'll get exposure. That's always the, the word I hear. And I hate that word because I have rarely seen something come of that where supposedly you're going to get a lot of exposure. So that's one thing with the, the playing for free, make it mindful. Don't just do it because someone asked you or because you think you're not going to get any other gig, then be mindful about it. I'm doing this because I want to donate to the cause, or I'm doing this because I'm going to try out a new set of brand new songs and I would feel bad if people paid me for it because some of the songs may not go well or something like that where you're, you have a specific purpose. The other thing that I learned is that when you play for something beneath your pay level, your pay grade, so to speak, then you're stealing that from somebody else. This, is, this was a really big insight for me. So for example, there was a time in town where this was probably almost 20 years ago where I was on the coffee house circuit. 
everybody and their mom was starting a coffee house and they were needing, wanting to have lots of live music. A lot of these coffee house things, I was earning like $20, $10, I think even $5 one time, despite telling people, you know, there was a good audience there. And despite telling people this is the only income the musician is making, that was what the worth was to them. And I finally realized, you know what, I'm not doing anybody, I'm not doing my family a favor by missing a Friday night with them to play at a coffee house that I don't need to be at. However, what I see sometimes is sometimes older musicians will get disgusted with that and they'll say, well, nobody pays and these coffee houses, they want you to come for just $5 or just $10 and they'll really mouth off about their hurtful feelings about that. And that shouldn't be the case either. What I figured out is those gigs are good for someone who's in high school or someone who's a young college student. Because when I was that age and I earned five or $10, I felt really good. And even if I gave up a Friday night, even if I was on at 2 a.m. and they gave me 10 minutes, but they paid me $10, I felt really good and really valued. And that was sometimes, you know, the, at one point it was the first time I got paid for playing when I was 16 or 17. So those those gigs are important for some people. But at the point I was earning those 10, 15, $20, I had already been in the army band for 10 years. I was a professional musician and I was stealing those gigs from people who needed them, like the college students and the high school students. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really important mindset to have. I, I think that's great. It's, you know, realizing we've talked on this podcast before about the importance of saying no. And I know you've, you've touched upon it in your book as well, understanding where you are in your journey and knowing if, you know, yes, it's an opportunity and it might be a great opportunity for somebody, but is it a great opportunity for you where you are right now in your journey? And I think that's a perfect example of that. And I think it's a very wonderful way to think of it that, you know, who are you taking this opportunity from? For those of you listening that find it hard to say no to certain things, thinking of it in those terms might might help you say no. Um, and I, I think that's such a great story. Yeah, we've got to definitely think about what our mission is, what our goal is, where we are at in our career, because it'll be different for everybody. 100%. And, and I also love what you said earlier about the impact that you could have on children that are now full grown and some of them are still doing music or still taking something that you've taught them and, and implementing it into their day. You know, my, my mother actually taught at my high school and she's still, she's retired and, you know, I'll still get messages on Facebook. People will find me and say, can I have your mom's email address? I have to, I have to tell her what, you know, how she's helped me. And it's so wonderful to, to see the impact that teachers have. And it's such a special thing. And I wanted to ask you as a full-time band teacher, you're shaping the lives of these students through music. And so I'm curious, what's been the most surprising thing for you? I know you mentioned in your book that you never expected to be a teacher and that this road, you know, kind of surprised you. So what's been most surprising about it now that you've been doing it for, for 20 years? The number of students who will be in touch years later, and for every student who's in touch, there's 10 or 20 who have thought about it and never never made that, that step. I've been guilty of that also. But the number of students who talk about 
hey, Mr. Vine, you weren't only teaching us music, you were teaching us about life. This has been a process for me. I can't say that I thought about this when I first started teaching, but I've come to realize that music is just a tool for teaching young people discipline, for teaching them persistence, for teaching them being able to see the result of, of hard work. Because there's very few things. We've, we live in a very instant society now, and people want things instantly. Hey, I want to lose 20 pounds and I want to lose it by tomorrow. We've lost our determination and push to to do things, but in the arts, especially those those things still exist. So that has been cool to see. Like I was saying, it took me a while to to develop that mindset and that viewpoint because when I first started teaching music, it was all about the end product and making me look good. And I've developed over the years as I've gotten older and realized that that's not the that's not the important thing. Mm, yeah. I, it's amazing how our perspectives can change what life teaches us that if we only knew way back when, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, there's a, a time and a place to learn, to learn every lesson. And I, I, I thank you for sharing that with us. What advice would you give those listening who know they want a career in music, but may not be totally sure about what path to go down or can't maybe fully visualize what their career would look like. Um, you've gone through many iterations as a professional musician in your career. And w- what could you tell somebody that's like, I know I want to be in music, but I can't really see it. I don't know what that looks like for me. I think the the biggest piece of advice I would give young people, and I've had some who they're they're coming to the end of their high school career and and they tell me well I've really loved band Mr. Divine I think I want to be in music I'd never give them a specific answer but I'll ask them a lot of questions so mm. I'll ask them did you enjoy playing with the band did what did you enjoy about it and I'll just really dig deep and ask questions because sometimes someone finds out they really like the music part. And maybe if they play in a community group, that's going to be the best thing for them. If mm. they say, this is something I have to do with my life. And those are, are going to be a smaller percentage of people. This is something I have to do with my life. I want to make a living doing this. Then I would suggest that they get some training from, from a college, but I wouldn't suggest necessarily that they major in music. Mm. Interesting. Um, some people should do that. And some people, if they can find someone to study with, I think they just need to get out there. So for example, if someone, let's just say someone who's 22 and who's a decent singer, if they came to me for advice and they said, hey, I really want to sing professionally, should I go back to college and get my performance degree in in voice? My answer would be, it depends. If you tell me you want to sing at the at the Metropolitan Opera, then probably you need to get a master's or doctoral degree in voice performance at a major university. Say you want to sing some pop songs, then my thought would be, well, start singing. Start singing at your church or start singing in some local coffee houses and kind of see where that goes. And you're going to start seeing where your weaknesses are and where you need to work on some things and plus, it's either going to ignite that passion so that you you say, this is something I have to do. I need to do more of this. How can I cut back on my other job and focus on this? Or you might realize, I really don't want to do the work it's going to take. So many times we tell people, go get a degree in something. And if you're a performer, nobody cares about your degree. Let's hear you sing or give me a demo or give me a link to your to your page and let's see what you're what you're doing. 
So I think get, getting out there and doing something is probably the most important thing. Absolutely. I could I I agree 150% with everything you just said for sure. And I think it's also, you know, as you said earlier, getting out there and and well writing down your goals and giving yourself permission to say, "Okay, this is what as of right now, this is what I think I want to do and what I would like to accomplish." And then as time goes by, maybe you learn new things, somebody teaches you something, your eyes are opened up to a new opportunity and that goal changes or that goal gets stretched out, you know, into something different. And so giving yourself that permission to, as you just said, just act, just do it. Just think about what it is you think you want right now and, and see, experience that and learn from those experiences. I think that's great advice to, to pass on. I think, I think some young people, when they don't have the answers, they just, it's kind of paralyzing (laughs) and they just kind of, you know, oh, I don't know, so I just won't do anything. Yeah, you um, have to do something. And then cha- if you have to change midstream, that's okay. But start moving. So I've had – it's interesting being in, in education. I've had students that I've bumped into four or five years after they graduated from high school. And this can happen to anybody, but it just happens to be young people that I'm talking about. And I'll bump into them at the grocery store and I'll say, hey, Sally, what are you up to? And she'll say, oh, I'm working and saving money for college. And then I'll, I'll ask them, where are you working or what are you doing? Oh, I'm working at this restaurant about 15 or 20 hours a week until I can get my money for college together. Well, they're 22 years old and they haven't done anything since they graduated from high school. And I always tell them when I have students who say, I'm not sure whether I want to get a degree or I'm not sure what I want to do. Okay, go work full time. Take one or two college classes. For me, I joined the Army Band right out of high school. I was really fortunate. I don't think it's even possible today to do that. The level of the arm, the military bands has just grown so much. But I knew that a degree would be important at some time, and I started taking one or two classes. Now, I never could see the end in sight. It's like, this is going to take me forever. But finally, after 10 years, I finished my bachelor's degree. That's why I always tell people, no matter what age you are, start moving forward towards something. Because if you don't do anything... In five years, five years will have passed and you won't have moved towards any type of goal. But if you start moving towards something, five years will have passed and you'll have learned some things or you'll be closer to your goal or you'll have changed your goal and now you're moving towards that new goal. Yes, absolutely. And I and I think, as you said before, with this kind of society of instant gratification, if they can't see the end in sight, they just figure, oh, all right. But as you had said, but the the end can only get closer if you start moving forward. (laughs) So it might not be instant, but you'll certainly be closer and you'll certainly know more. So yes, absolutely, guys. If you are out there listening and you aren't sure of what to do, there is no right answer. Just do something and you'll either find that it's not what you want to do or you'll find it is what you really want to do. But either way, it will inform your next steps. Exactly. So we've we've gotten to the point of the podcast where I like to ask my guests these four questions. Um, I ask every guest these same four questions. It's it's always a good time. So whatever first comes to mind for you, whatever you uh, again, just as we said, no wrong, no wrong uh, decisions here. If you had an extra hour in the day to do whatever you want with it, how would you spend it? I would spend it writing music. 
I love it. So if you could collaborate with one artist or band in any capacity, you could record a song with them, you could go out on tour, collaborate in any sort of capacity, who would it be and how would you want to collaborate with them? It would be with a a regional musician here in our area named Steve Watts. He's a saxophonist like I am. And I would love to play a duet with him or work on a song where we really expounded on two saxophones doing something. Very cool. So along those same lines, I always talk on this podcast about your ask. So, you know, much like staying put and not making a decision won't get you any progress. If there's something out there you want and you don't ask for it, the answer will always be no. So what right now is a request that you have? What's something that you'd like to see happen in your career and whose help or resources would you need to make that happen? So the thing that has always been slightly frustrating for me is that I've always had this desire to teach some at the college level. And it's one of those weird things because they want you to have your doctorate degree. And in fact, someone who's 26 with no experience who like went right from high school to college and took eight years of college and has their doctoral degree is more likely to be hired by a college than someone, I'll just use me as an example, who's 51 and has a master's degree and 31 years experience in the, in the music field. It's just kind of a nature of the, of the system. So I don't, I don't know who could help me with that. But if there were something that I could wave a magic wand and change that, mm. I would love to spend the next 10 or 20 years of my career actually teaching at the, at the college level. And I know we have a few listeners in the education field, in, in the university field. So anyone listening, if you have some advice or resources or, or know of anything that might help our good friend James here, make it happen. <laughs> I, I truly believe that, um, you know, putting things out into the universe, the right people will, will hear it. It's really, it's a shame. I've kind of looked down the path of education as well and, and spoken to some people on the college level. And it's so many things in our education system are just a little backwards, which, you know, is a soapbox moment for another day. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's really uh, you know the the value we place on on certain on certain things is is a little upside down. But that's just my humble opinion. Um, so every week, I have an actionable for our listeners. Usually, I provide uh, a downloadable worksheet or something that they can go do based on what they've learned here today. Taking action, as we've said, often helps solidify certain lessons for us. You can take your time with this if you'd like, um, but if there's anything that you'd like our listeners to go and do, what would you like the actionable of the week to be? So the actionable of the week would be for the listeners to look up Zig Ziglar and find his his wheel of life. I don't remember exactly what he calls it, but it's like a wheel of life goals sheet. I think he has actually a book based completely on it, but it has so many things to help propel you forward. And then the second thing that, that I would suggest people read is someone else's book, author named Dan Miller. And he wrote a book called 40 Days to the Work You Love. And he talks about taking 40 days. I think there's an action plan in it also of 
moving from a job you don't like to something that you love doing. And it talks about even everything from the resume and what to do with your resume and to send it out. So that's what I would suggest. Hopefully that's okay that I put two in there. Absolutely. And thank you so much. I actually know both of those resources and I I love them as well. So I will certainly have the links to those in the show notes, everyone. So please go and and do that. And I'm also going to have a link to James's books and I highly recommend you read them as well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed them and I want to thank you so much for spending this time with us. You've you have such an inspirational story and there's so much more to it uh, than we've had time to discuss here today, but it really is just so uh, inspirational and motivational. And I thank you for sharing just some of the lessons uh, with us here today, because they're so important for people to realize. And thank you. Thank you so much for being here. It has been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So who's inspired? I know I am. I want to thank James for sharing his story with us. The biggest takeaway I hope you took from our discussion is that success is defined on your terms and no one else's. You don't have to make a big splash to be impactful. You don't have to have wild and crazy dreams to be successful. If that's your thing, then by all means go for it. But always remember success is what you make it. If you don't like the direction your life is taking, be bold enough to change course. No matter what, you'll learn something about yourself and about life. We've had a lot of great guests on this show already, and what I love most is that no matter their story, they're all big successes in their own rights. Indie pop band Sub Radio in episode 13 showed us how to be successful by creating a band that works together. In episode 17, Zach from Broken Luxury illustrated their success in creating an engaged niche market of fans that support their decision to create unique, immersive musical experiences. In episode 20, DJ and comedian Cypher Sounds broke down for us what it takes to hang with the industry elite without losing yourself or your reputation. And in episode 24, singer-songwriter Leslie Barth rolled out for us her blueprint for leaving her day job and living with her husband, who's also a full-time musician. Now, if that's not a success, then I don't know what is. What does your success story look like? If you need some more inspiration, all of the books and rock sources we've mentioned here today can be found in the show notes. Simply go to therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP28 and check them out. And stay tuned for a bonus episode where James and I do a live coaching session for the very first time on this podcast. If you're listening from your favorite podcast app, it'll be the next episode. If you're listening from my website, the bonus episode is in the show notes at therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP28. If you've enjoyed what you've learned here today, you can access all current episodes using your preferred podcast app, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast. If you're looking to figure out your next steps, find time to balance everything on your plate, or if you'd simply like your own clarity session with me, let's talk. As always, feel free to email me at any time, suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care. (laughs) 